Welcome to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Today is a special day, Sons and Daughters Weekend. You know, my heart as a pastor is to develop communicators in the house that, um, that God has put the gift of public speaking on their life, and I know that they have the anointing of God on them, and I know that God has given them something to say. And so over the last uh, two months, Jennifer and I have been working with a group of five people in our church, uh, five or six, six, I'm sorry, one of you guys don't count, I guess, uh, been working with a group of six uh, people, sorry about that, and just been um, praying and, and helping them develop a message that we really believe that God is gonna you know, use today in an impactful way for you guys. And so I am so honored to invite uh, what we're calling our sons and daughters of the house up to the stage. They're gonna bring a message. So guys, why don't you guys come up to the stage? They've been working hard for months. They've been praying about God giving them a word, not just that would impress you, but would help you. And so that's been kind of all of their missions. Hey, today, let's, let's help people uh, hear from God and, and you know, use that gift that God's put on you. And I know that there's many people in our church that maybe have the gift of God, but we only have 30 minutes, and so we can only pick six. And so you, you'll be on deck. Let us know if you have that call on your life. But here's, here's the rules for today. Each one of them are gonna get five minutes and then X-Factor style, if at the end of five minutes they are still talking. Chris, what? <laughs> that is their cue that God is finished with you. <laughs> Where we are for the sake of time because it's 4th of July, ain't nobody got time to be in church for three hours. So, have fun, come on. <laughs> smile. So very, I see you back in the back. They booed me. You are not allowed to boo the pastor. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do, that you would lean in, okay? This is not the B team. This is today's A team. God has something to say through them. And I promise you this, they will preach better if you get with them. And so if they say something good, say amen. If, you, if, if they say something that you're like, mm-hmm, give them a mm-hmm, a little out loud. Nod your head at them like, just know this or know this, you know? But let's get with them and let's make them uh, feel welcome. And so would you just give it up for all of our speakers today? <laughs> Simone. Good morning. Um, I remember a season in my life where I was questioning God's voice in the midst of my fear. And I was fearful that my physical body was holding me back from my growth, from relationships, and from opportunities. And it had even gotten so bad that I couldn't really sit through church service. I'd maybe make it through one or two worship songs, and then the rest of service, you could find me in the bathroom crying on the floor. <laughs> But luckily, God had placed some people in my life to help me press through that season that I was facing and overcome that fear. And I'm willing to bet that some of you, if not all of you, have been in a similar place where you've wanted to run and hide in a cave somewhere by yourself. And there's a story of a man named Elijah. See, Elijah had a strong walk with God. He'd watch God move in miraculous ways, and yet he found himself running in fear and hiding in a cave because of the threat of an enemy. And I'm not gonna read the full story, 
but I highly encourage you to go back and read 1 Kings 17 through 19. But in this story, um, I'm questioning and wondering, even in the audience, if there's some of you, because of the voices of this world, you found yourself running. And the world may not be trying to physically kill you or threaten you, but the world does want to steal, to kill, and to destroy your destiny and your calling and your purpose. And so in this story, while Elijah's in the cave, it says a wind so powerful, it tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then an earthquake and even a fire. But again, it says that the Lord was not in the earthquake or the fire. And after all this came a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. Now the world will make you think that God is no longer speaking, but I'm here to tell you today that God is still speaking. God is still speaking. John 10, 4 says that the sheep know his voice. It doesn't say that they should or they could hear his voice. It says that they know and they do hear his voice. We just don't recognize what we're hearing as God's voice. Recognizing God's voice comes with time spent with him, time spent in worship, time spent in the word, time spent with his people, not just any people, his people. Um, so we have, to, we have to spend time with God. But my favorite part about this story, aside from knowing that God not only speaks in those big moments, but in those still small moments, I love that the voice of God came to Elijah in a tone that was exactly what Elijah needed to hear. See, Elijah was afraid and he was weary. He was tired. That's why he ran. He even asked and prayed that God would take his life. But God didn't come to him in the cave and yell at him or berate him. God came to him in a whisper. And in fact, he asked Elijah a question because God loves to ask questions. Um, he asked Elijah a question and he asked him in a tone that I imagine is like that of a parent who's trying to console a child that they can see is hurting. And he says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He asked him twice. And that whisper is what called Elijah out of the cave. And today that same whisper is calling you out of your cave. So when chaos comes and you're feeling overwhelmed, what voices are you listening to? The question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, what are you listening to? Are you listening to what Facebook and what Instagram and what Twitter and Snapchat have to say? Are you listening for comments and views and likes? Or are you listening to that still small voice that says, I not only hear you, but I see you. I want to give you peace in the midst of this. Are you listening to the encouragement and the strength and the wisdom of his word? Are you listening to that trusted friend who's been in the very pit that you're in now? The friends that will drive eight hours to come watch you speak for five minutes. <laughs> Shout out to Allison and Caitlin, because I got extra time. Um, are you listening to those voices? What voices are you listening to? I love in verse 18, because we know Elijah is feeling alone, and I know sometimes we do too, but it says in verse 18, that there were 7,000 waiting in Israel whose eyes were still focused on God. And in the same way, if you look up and around, there are people that love you and care for you that also have their eyes focused on God. And you'll realize that you're not as alone as you thought you were. So my question to you today is, do you know God from a whisper? Because like I just stated, he does speak in those big moments, but he also speaks in a whisper. Do you recognize God's voice from a whisper? I promise you, as you begin to lean in to whatever it is God has for you and silencing out all those other voices, you'll start to notice when, you're, when he's speaking. 
Don't allow the voices of this world to speak louder than the voice of God. That was incredible, that was incredible. So I'm just gonna jump into it today, and I'm just gonna come out with a question. How do you respond to adversity? That's a question that over the past year that 2020 has revealed to a little bit of all of us if we realize it or not. You see, as a good Christian man, I had that question going as I prepared for this. And as a good Christian man, I turned to Google. And I went to Google and I went through all the responses and see how people respond to adversity. What are the most common responses? And I found a plethora. People like to respond in a bunch of different ways, but I found that it stems down to one to three things. And I believe if you can relate to at least one of these things. The first thing is I believe that people attack the situation. You see, people, they don't know if it's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do, if it's gonna be beneficial or hurt them in the end, but they're so overwhelmed and stimulated, they have to respond in a way. And so that is the first response. The second response is people freeze. And this is actually the most natural way that it might look on the outside that they're, they're frozen, they're not doing anything, but inside, internally, they're going through every single option that it could be going through. And in response, your body mentally and physically shuts down. And the third response is actually where I think I spend most of my time is run. You see, I might not physically run from a conversation I need to have. I might not physically run away from my work, but mentally I'm gonna check out. Mentally I'm gonna go take a nap when I'm supposed to be going to work. Mentally I'm gonna go through TikTok. <laughs> me? Okay, just me. Okay, but anyway, I'm gonna do anything to keep my mind off of what I have in front of me. And so but you're saying, okay, Billy, I get that. I get that this is how the world throws stuff at, at us and we have to respond. And these are our best three options. Well, what if I told you there was a, another option and actually a power that we could tap into that can make a difference and change your life? And to find this power, we're gonna go back in the Old Testament. And yes, we believe in the Old Testament in this church. It works, it still works today, I believe it. And so in the Old Testament, we're gonna to go to a man named Jonah. And so if he's a very popular man, but I'm, I'd be naive to believe that not everyone in this room knows who Jonah is. So we're gonna walk through his story together and find this power. So Jonah was a prophet. And if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is a messenger from the Lord where the Lord trusts him with a message and he actually goes to a region, a nation, a people group and delivers a message. And so Jonah wasn't just a prophet of that time, he was the prophet of the time. For whenever he came into a region, people wanted to listen. They said, oh, if this is coming out of Jonah's mouth, then we have to react, we have to respond. So Jonah was God's chosen man. God knew if he had a big, bold word, he could trust Jonah with it, and that's exactly what he did. He gave a message to go to the Ninevites, which is a dangerous and nasty group of people, and instead of turning back to the Father, Jonah was actually responding in the third option, and he chose to run, but he actually didn't physically just run, uh, mentally just run, he physically ran, and he, the story goes on, he gets on a boat, and he's met by a storm, a physical storm. The boat's rocking, it's crazy. He gets thrown overboard and he's swallowed by a fish. 
And if you're in the room and you don't know the story, you're like, okay, you just told me how a man got murdered. <laughs> got it, okay. But no, that's not where the story ends. God keeps him alive in the belly for three days and three nights. And that's where we're met by Jonah chapter two, verse one. And the first three words are, then Jonah prayed. You see, I don't know if I would wait three days and three nights in a fish to start, <laughs> to start praying, but the thing about that is like, how many times are we in a mess and we, and we might be in it for three days, three years, three decades, and we still haven't prayed? So anyway, that got me thinking. You know, Jonah, Jonah prays, God responds, the fish spits him out, and Jonah goes on to Nineveh and actually delivers that message. You know, I believe that pa prayer gives you power to do the impossible. So that got me thinking, what if prayer was our first response to adversity? What could our life look like? I believe our life could be full of peace. I believe our life could be full of boldness. I believe our life could be full of courage. You know, but most of all, I believe our life could be a life fully alive. So guys, this morning I want to tell you about a man named Naaman. Quick story. His story is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And as we're introduced to Naaman, we find out that he is a leader of an army. He's won many important battles. And he's loved by his leaders and others. But he has an issue called leprosy, which is a skin disease. And it was tough in those days to have leprosy because if people found out you had it, they wanted to kick you out of the community because it was contagious. And Naaman, in the midst of all this greatness, he had to be careful not to let his skin or his issue be shown. And I can feel Naaman on that because I've been in situations in my life where I was doing well, but I still had some things in my life that I felt like I had to hide. And Naaman was like me. He was at work winning. He was extraordinary at work. But when he got home, he was disconnected, hateful. He was killing it at church, serving on every team that he could, but his mind, he was riddled with pride and lust. He had all the money he needed. People loved him, but he had no peace. I like to say it this way. Naaman was winning, but he was still nasty. <laughs> Naaman was winning, but he was still just a little nasty, and he had to make sure he covered it. So Naaman found out about a guy. They said, hey, Naaman, this man got a cure for you. So he gathers his team, and he says, let's take a journey, guys. And he gets together, and he goes to see a man named Elijah, because he has the answer. So they get to the door, they knock on the door. Elijah Messenger, his, assistants answer the, his assistant answers the door, and he says, hey, go down to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and you should be good. Naaman gets frustrated when the door closes. Here's a quick question for you. What happens when the answer that you receive from God makes no sense to you? Woo! I've been there. I've been there. I can relate when the answer makes no sense to you. You got to stay committed. Thank God Naaman had good people around him. So one of his assistants says, hey, master, I know you're great. And if this man would have told you to do something important, you would have did it. 
why not follow this simple instruction that he gave you? And what he was really saying to Naaman was, sir, this day you have to value your cure over your comfort. You have to value the cure over your comfort. And this is what we meet up with Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him to do, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. And what that says to me is that the next instruction that God give you might be the key to your healing if you can follow it. Naaman knew that, you know what, above everything else, I got to follow this to the end this time. And I came here to tell you this. This healing won't be so you can be comfortable and look good. This healing is going to be so you can be free. This healing that God is going to give you guys. Yeah, yeah, he wants you to be free. So just imagine this type of life. Imagine killing it at work and having awesome relationships at home. Imagine having all of the money you need and having peace in your mind. Imagine showing up to church and serving and loving the Lord and having purity in mind and being humble. I know it's 4th of July, so I want to say it like this. Pastor said it earlier, God wanted us to be free. And the Bible says free indeed, free to love, free to live, free to be with our families, free to operate in our purpose and wills. Once again, the Bible says free, but not only free, but free indeed. So is anyone else really good at avoiding things? Like when you come home and you look in your kitchen and it's a little bit messy, there's some dishes in the sink and you've had a long day, you don't wanna deal with it. So you're like, I'm gonna avoid it, I'm gonna push it off until tomorrow. So you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, the dishes are still there, but you have a busy day, you're gonna go to work. So you go to work, you hang out with friends, you go to dinner afterwards, you get home again, the dishes are still there and it's actually gotten worse, they've piled up even more. So we know how this cycle continues and gets worse and worse until you finally just have to deal with it. The dishes were always there, but you just had to deal with it. You were avoiding it. And in a much deeper way, this is how I dealt with my past pain and my trauma and my abuse and what my healing process looked like. I would wake up every single day with the pain of my past on my mind, but I would say, you know, not today. Not today, I'm not gonna deal with that today. I'm not gonna surrender and walk in healing and in freedom today. I'm gonna go to my work, I'm gonna get a promotion, I'm gonna find a relationship to fill the void. I'm gonna do whatever I can to avoid dealing with the trauma, dealing with the abuse, dealing with whatever that is. But I finally hit a breaking point where I was exhausted by all of the lies that I'd been believing. I was believing lies from someone who could have cared less about me over what Jesus has already declared over me. Lies like, you're not good enough. You don't deserve good things. No one's ever going to love you. And maybe I'm up here talking about my story right now, and one of you is out here and you're going, wow, that sounds a lot like me. That sounds a lot like what I'm dealing with and what I've been carrying around. And maybe you don't even realize that you've been carrying it around for so long. It's become comfortable. That weight has been so heavy, but it's just sitting there and you don't know what to do to get it off. I just wanna give you hope and let you know that you're not alone. You can walk in that freedom 
You can walk in that healing. And I wanna let you know that your worth and your identity is not found in what was done to you, but it's found in Jesus, the one who gives you fullness of joy, fullness of life, and he can actually heal you. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. So now that we know the truth over the lies, what do we do? Number one is don't hide it. Don't hide it from God and don't hide it from others. You might be thinking, well, God already knows my heart. He knows my thoughts. Why do I have to share that with him? Because once you get real with him about the things he already knows you're struggling with, that's when you let go of control and you give it to the one who can actually heal you. And then with others, trusted family members and friends, when you open up about your own struggles, not only will you walk in that freedom and walk in that healing, but that could be the key to theirs. And number two is don't rush it. Isaiah 40, 31 says that, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I wanna let you know that there is no timeline for your healing. It doesn't have a specific starting date. It's walking in obedience to what God has for you and trusting that he's gonna bring you through it better than you could do on your own. Number three is don't pick it up. Isaiah 53, five says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. This is the most important, important point if you take anything away. Because when we walk in surrender, when we come out of the waiting and we walk into surrender and lay it down, we don't need to look back at who we once were anymore. We don't need to look back at what we laid down because it was never ours to carry. It's so heavy, it's so heavy, but I wanna let you know that it's not too heavy for him. It's not too messy for him. And healing isn't supposed to be this beautiful, like lovely thing that's just rainbows and butterflies. Like it's gonna be messy. It's gonna be painful, but he's there for you. <laughs> he goes before you, he goes behind you. He's, he's all around you, he's with you right now. So the last thing that I wanna leave you with, a question is, are you finally ready to surrender? Think of that one thing right now that's at the front of your mind. Don't run away from it. Embrace it. What's that one thing that if you start to loosen your grip even just a little bit right now, you could finally walk in the healing that only Jesus has for you. Your worth is found in him. Your identity is found in him and your healing is found in him. What's that one thing that you can let go of right now? Good morning, good morning. I tell you what, this has been good stuff this morning. Today, I wanna talk to you about one of the toughest kinds of pain. It's the pain of wonder. Like, God, why have you let this happen to me? I wonder why, God, why is this going on in my life? Why, God, are you not intervening in this situation? And we begin to wonder. Sometimes I feel like the, the enemy is winning and God's nowhere to be found. I don't know about you, but I've been living in this season over the last 16 months over COVID, and I could tell you story after story after story with my family of how God has showed up, but there's been moments that I've literally had to get out on the porch, on the back porch, and I wanted to scream out to God and say, God, where are you? Me and my wife, we both own very small businesses, and uh, we have been hurt by COVID. And I felt like, God, where are you in this? Where are you? I didn't cause this. I didn't do this. Where are you, God? And I can tell you that the enemy has tried to wreak havoc on my family, on my kids, on my marriage, 
on my finances. Come on, have you, have you ever just felt like, God, where are you? Well, I can tell you that God began to speak to me over and over again and reminded me of his goodness, reminded me of his faithfulness, reminded me that when I did not know he was good, he was still good. And so I've come to this story, and it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it's the story with the woman with the issue of blood. I love this story because this story unpacks so many times in my life where just like this lady, she had to push through. She had to push through the crowd to get to Jesus. She had to push so far. She had to get to Jesus. She was desperate. She had spent all her money. See, she had an issue with blood. She was hemorrhaging. And so that day she said, I've spent all the money. I've done everything I could do. I've got to get to Jesus. And so she pressed through the crowd and she slipped in. How many of you today maybe just slipped in? You didn't know you were getting this today. You just slipped in and said, but Jesus set you up. You're here for a divine appointment and he sets you up today to receive something for him. I love that story because he gets to the end and Jesus, you know, where Jesus, she reached out and she touched, she didn't even grab hold of Jesus, she touched his robe. And when she touched his robe, power was released and she got her healing. What I challenge you today is this, reach out for Jesus. Just keep reaching out for Jesus because when you, when you touch him, even the robe, even the robe, I'm telling you, something's released. He said, who touched me, daughter? That's what he said in the, in the text. And then went on to say that his daughter, he took, she said, I, he, the, script, the, the pastor says, she took a risk. I ask you to take a risk today. Take a risk in Jesus today. Take a risk. You know that doctors say that because of how much blood that she was losing, that she could barely stand to her feet. So think about her life and her pain. This was a 12-year issue, a 12-year issue. So what, what, how does she feel on week one? How does she feel on week, week six? What about the 36th week? What about the 10th year? What about the 12th year? Maybe you're waiting for something where God, where are you? This lady was waiting, where are you? Jesus, and but she ran to him. She ran to him. She slipped in. I love Matthew 9.22 talks about this story. He said, but Jesus stopped and turned around. Turned around. And when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from her faith. See, I don't want a faith that just, that just uh, passes the test. I want a faith that turns his head. I want a faith that when I reach for him, he turns towards me. And I can just tell you over the last 16 months of, of this that we have been enduring as a family, I've seen Jesus turn his head towards me. He's here today for you, and he's turned his head towards you today and said, I see you. I see what you're going through in your marriage. I see what you're going through with your kids. I see what you're going through with, with your depression. I see what you're going through, and I'm here today. Reach out for me today. I need you today to reach out for me, and I, dare, I just dare you to take a risk today. Because if you do, he will throw off that thing that has been binding you up. Chains will be broken. Your life will be set free. God will heal you. He will touch you. He will set you free. Why? Because he's a good daddy. Well, my family and I, we recently moved to Indiana, but before that, we lived in a little farmhouse on three acres of land. And in our new neighborhood, guys, forget three acres, we've barely got like three feet. 
But being the good country mom that I was when we had the land, I let my boys run wild, and I will be the first to admit that I let them pee in the yard on many more than one occasions. <laughs> so, you know, about a week after we moved into our new house, we are sitting on the front porch with the boys, and I look over, and Hudson, our three-year-old, in the front yard, has pulled his pants down, and he is peeing in the rose bushes. I kid you not, anyone within a five to six house radius could definitely have seen what was going on. And so being the good mom that I am, the first thing that I did was pull out my phone and take a picture of that cute little butt. <laughs> and then I explained to him why it's just no longer appropriate to pee in the front yard. And you know, thankfully Hudson, he just pulled up his pants, moved on with his day, not one ounce of shame in him. But it got me thinking, many of you have probably heard when you're growing up, shame on you. Yeah or you should be ashamed of yourself. Maybe it was a coach or a teacher or an aunt who after you made a mistake, declared those words over you. And as kids, our concept of sin and shame, it's very limited, but as we get older and we begin to realize that we live in a broken and a fallen world, our childlike innocence is replaced with shame. So that every time we do something wrong or we make a mistake, we allow shame, condemnation, humiliation to take root deeper and deeper in our hearts until it comes to define what we think about ourselves because of the things that we've done. But here's what I know is that God never intended for you to live a life of shame. You can put shame on yourself or others may put it on you, but God, he never does. He doesn't want you to live that way. And in fact, he wants to take shame off of you. I don't know what you're carrying shame about today, but I know that none of us is a stranger to the feeling of, I'm such a failure. How could I have let this happen? Why am I here again? Maybe like me, you're a mom of toddlers, and every time you lose your patience, this voice in your head tells you that you're not a good mom. Wow. Maybe you're a student and you're not getting the grades or you never get invited to hang out with that group of people or you didn't get into the college you wanted and you just feel like you're never gonna be good enough. Maybe you recently lost your job. Maybe you have a habit of lying. Maybe you're just not where you wanna be financially. If I could go a little deeper, maybe there's some of you today that your marriage is failing. You have an addiction that you can't shake or a secret so deep in your heart that nobody knows. Maybe you're carrying shame today over something that happened to you, something you had no control over. I don't know what you're carrying shame about, but I do know that John 10 10 says that the enemy of your soul has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, he will try everything that he can to make you believe something about yourself that is contrary to what God says about you. But he's a liar, and what he's making you believe about who you are because of what you've done, it's just not true. And you see what? This is an age-old trick. Since the beginning of creation, he has literally been doing this. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see God create man. He creates Adam and Eve, and they live in this beautiful garden in perfect relationship with him. And God says to them, you can eat from any tree in this whole garden, except just this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But along comes Satan, and he twists what God says. And Adam and Eve are convinced that they should eat from that tree. And as soon as they do, their eyes are open to the fact that they're naked, and so begins the feeling of shame. The enemy uses their newfound knowledge of good and evil to convince themselves that they are sinful, that they are weak, that they are damaged. He convinces them that their nakedness is unacceptable and that therefore they are unacceptable. 
But God, he comes to look for them in the garden and when Adam and Eve hear him, they hide because they're ashamed. But God being God, of course he finds them, right? And so he finds them and he says to them, hey, why are you hiding? And we see in Genesis 3, 10 and 11, Adam replies, I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And God says to them, who told you that you were naked? You know, in the middle of their shame, God looks at them and he simply says, who told you that? And I think today God wants to ask each of you the same question. Who told you that God could never use you because of what you've done? My God has good plans for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. Who told you that you'll never shake that addiction? You can do all things through him who gives you strength. Who told you that you're not worthy of love? Christ gave everything for you. He literally laid down his life for you. Who chose you? told you that you don't belong? He chose you. He pulled you out of darkness to bring you where you do belong, to make you his. Who told you that you've gone too far and you should just give up? Because God, he started a good work in you and he is not giving up. Who told you that God could never forgive you? He promises that if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive them, every single one. Who told you that your mess is too big for God because he is not shying away from your junk. He will make beauty from your ashes. So I ask you again, who told you that? You see, the key to breaking shame in your life is to believe in God's word over you and his work for you, his work on the cross, to believing that Jesus took the punishment so you can stop punishing yourself, to believe that you really are a new creation, to stop hiding from God and to change the narrative that the enemy is trying to tell you. So you take every thought captive, you make it obedient to Christ, and you ask yourself, who told you that? Would you bow your heads all across this room? What a fitting message to end our time together on this morning. Just a simple idea, who told you that? You know, this whole service was designed with, with you in mind, not to encounter a church, but to encounter the presence of God. You know, maybe you're in here today and you walked in, much like Brittany said, a lot of shame. In fact, you walked into a church today wondering, will they accept me? Will God love me? Could God use me? Maybe last night you were doing things you weren't proud of. Came to church this morning and inside you're just like, God hates me. Maybe there's been some struggles that you've been having that are lifelong addictions and you think, there's no way God could forgive me. Maybe you've walked in, you feel like a bad dad, you feel like a bad mom, you just, you're ridden with that thing inside of you that says, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough, end of story. I'm here to tell you, God loves you. No matter who you are in this room, God, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Before you ever change your behavior, He loves you. Before you ever get it all together, He loves you. You don't have to be perfect. 
The Bible says anyone that calls on the name of the Lord could be saved. You know, if you're in here today and you're far from God, you've been living life your own way and you're like, I'm ready to surrender to God. I want you to know the minute you lift up a hand, the minute your heart goes out to him, the minute you say, Jesus, I need you, you are not met with con you know, condemnation or guilt or shame. You are met with a loving God, just like the prodigal son who lived life on his own terms, in his own way. When he decided to go to God, the father was waiting with arms open, ready to embrace him today. No matter what you walk through, no matter what you've been through, the father is waiting. His arms are open, ready to embrace you and welcome you in. So if you're in this place today and you would say, that's me. I need that kind of God. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do so. It's really easy. It just, it's, it's a commitment today where you just say, God, really a confession. Where you just say, God, I need you. And I commit my life to you. So if that's you and you're in this room and you're like, God, I need you. I'm ready to give you my life. I confess I'm tired of doing it on my own. And I need you. Nobody's looking around right now. I'm not gonna call you out or single you out or have you come to the front, but I'd love to know who you are. And I'd love to just ask you to slip up a hand just as a sign to God saying, God, I'm ready. You know, the reason why we ask for a show of hands is it's just a surrender. It's a surrender to just say, God, I need you. And so if that's you in this place and you're ready to just surrender to God, I'm just gonna ask you to lift up a hand. Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and God, just a, a sign of surrender to him. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Now I wanna pray with you and I want to ask that you would pray with me and you can pray in your heart you can pray out loud however you feel comfortable but would you just say this would you just say Jesus today I give you all of me I surrender my life to you I'm ready to stop doing it my way and I'm grateful that you're a loving God that accepts me calls me a son or a daughter May I feel your love today. And may I go home forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Hey, come on, let's celebrate everyone that made that decision. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.